0: welcome to the leap of faith podcast thank you for listening the leap of faith podcast is a series of deep dive dialogues with business women creatives and leaders who at some point in their life were called to play a different game in what they are creating in the world women who feel called to share their leap of faith and reveal how this decision has impacted their business and their life this podcast is to inspire you empower you Become still and ask yourself, am I still on the right path? Or is there a different way that I don't see yet? Listen and wonder what is possible if you start following your inner voice. My name is Marianne Hermsen. I'm a Dutch mom of two almost grown-up kids, married to Mark and working as a teacher, business mentor and coach trainer. My mission is to change the world by raising consciousness. Leap of Faith, The Journey, and The Podcast are my sole project to make a contribution to this mission in my own authentic way. In the podcast today, I welcome Hira Sharma, founder of the social impact organization Golatli. And Latli means beloved daughter in Hindi. She founded Golatli in 2016 with the mission to empower young women in India to become problem-solvers, leaders, and change-makers. They do that through investing in their education, providing mentoring and leadership opportunities, and by engaging them in their communities in real-world problem-solving. And apart from helping others, she also loves to develop herself, her edu- educational profile shows that she has a bachelor degree in information technology and pharmacy, a PhD in philosophy, and a master of nonprofit administration and leadership. Welcome today, Hera, and I hope I said it right about your education.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, you did. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, Mariana. I am so grateful to be here.
0: Yes, you're welcome, and uh, it's quite impressive what you studied. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, what does it say about you that you studied so much?
1: That's quite a bit, isn't it? I am, well, I have to say that I, one, of, one of my values is definitely learning mm. and, and constantly learning. So I, I do identify myself as a constant learner and I'm always trying to better myself. And, and, I, and I do that with the work I do as well. I'm always trying to better it. So yeah, that's, that's a big value of mine for sure.
0: Yeah, that's what I can see. And I share that value with you. Isn't it great to have a value of learning and growth and that there's always something new, something interesting to learn? And and I imagine myself being like 80 years old, hopefully at a certain moment, and still starting an education because I'm interested in it. Wouldn't that be great?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there is always, uh, I I believe there's always room uh, for improvement. We are in a continuous journey. And I think that's also what brings excitement really uh, to at least my life, you know, continuous learning brings excitement to, to my life. And the more you kind of go out of your comfort zone, the more you grow. So yeah, I, I love all of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, 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 and just to give some background to the listeners, can, can you tell us a little bit who you are, where you come from and, uh, and why you are in this podcast?
1: I know yes, absolutely, so i am I'm Hira, as you introduced me so well um I come originally uh I grew up in a small town in India, and I'm in the United States at the moment. I'm the founder of Goladli, and Ladli means beloved daughter in Hindi, and
0: beautiful
1: yeah, and and we are we are focused as you so rightly introduced on empowering our young women to be problem solvers, change makers, and leaders and uh I think the reason I am here is because I took a big leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, so I come from a very, very different background. I have a, as you read it out, right? I have a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences, which is so removed yeah. uh, from what I am doing right now.
0: What happened?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad I made that transition. And I, and I, and I took that leap. Because uh, at that time, of course, it was incredibly... Uh, hard to even think of making the leap, but I'm really happy where I am. And I feel like I've finally really found my element. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and,
0: I- and you studied pharmacy. So was that something you decided to do when you were at high school?
1: No, no, Mariana, I... I've had a very interesting and an adventurous life. <laughs> oh, okay. I have also, and because I, again, as I said, I come from a very small town. We didn't grow up with a lot of uh, resources. There was not a lot of guidance around what you should be doing after high school. A lot of decisions were really made um, based on what the society was telling you and the message that the society was sending you. Um, and, and it just happened that I, have, you know, I just happened to stumble on the pharmacy profession without really actually caring for it deeply. (laughs) And I I actually did pretty, I did pretty well, of course, in my school and in my college as well. But I knew, um, I think all the time that that that, that was not my calling. And uh, when I came here to United States, it just seemed like the next best step, right? After you complete a bachelor's in pharmacy, it seemed like the next best step to to, to go for, you know, further degree at that point. For a master or PhD. for a master or PhD. And when I got in uh, the PhD program, for me, again, because I'm such a geek and such a learner, for me, the whole drive was, oh my God, I'm getting to study, right? I'm getting to study and somebody's paying, um, f- for me to study. And, and yeah, because you didn't tell that you had a scholarship, right? To go yeah, to the United States. Absolutely. I had a full, uh, full uh, fellowship. It was a very prestigious fellowship that covered my, uh, pretty much my entire, you know, PhD program. And, and for me, that was such a big deal. And, and, and I think I just leapt for it because for me, it was, you know, just the, just, uh, just that thing to, to able to get to study. And, and then, yeah, and that was it. And that's how I came. And during my PhD program, of course, uh, there was a lot of things that I got exposed to and a lot of changes started happening in the way I thought about things. So coming to the United States that way, because of the way it exposed me to so many people and so many ideas and so many things, it did liberate me hugely in my thought process. Mm. And that was really, I think around the third or fourth year, I was getting very restless around what do I do? What do I want to do next? And I knew that while I really enjoyed sciences, I, and I absolutely still, you know, even during my postdoc, I, I, I always continue. It's not that I hated it, right? I always enjoyed it. But at the same time, I just knew that that was not my calling. That was not what I was meant to put out into the universe, right? And so around third year, fourth year of my PhD program, I started really becoming more restless and more wanting to do things outside of the PhD program. I started volunteering quite a bit and around that time, the idea of Goladli was actually born.
0: Mm, yeah. And I hear you saying it's always good to name the science of, you know, you want to change something, you said you became restless, you, be, you wanted to. You were looking outside of your uh, uh, scientific area where you were working by doing volunteer work, so, so these were like the first signs to, to, to change something and, and all the signs in your head, yeah. uh, apparently.
1: Oh absolutely, absolutely, because I still actually um, have a paper where I've written down <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, I still have it. It's so interesting because around, I think, 2010, I actually wrote down pretty much, I mean, of course, the ideas changed over a period of time, but I kind of wrote down the basic draft of Goladly, and that paper is still there with me. Of course, it was born more as a youth, uh, in, you know civic engagement organization because that was something that just blew my mind when I came to the United States, the amount of Uh, engagement that the college students and the youth had in their communities and that was like the driving force for me because i was like oh my god this is just (laughs) yeah so what was (laughs) was the difference
0: between uh the students at pharmacy and the students in this leadership uh youth leadership program yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. what was the
0: difference
1: i i think well when when i um so when i look back at my, uh, at my college in India, right? again, because I went to college in another small town as well. So we didn't really have those kind of opportunities uh, of engaging in our community, of giving back to the community. And, and, and so when I saw that in United States, uh, in all these you know, programs that I was going to, it just, um, I, I just knew that this is where I'm meant to be, And this is the space that I need to be connected with somehow. Um, Yeah,
0: so it's about being connected to it and feeling resonance with it, right?
1: Yeah, and also, you know, as I said, science, I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, and we, and of course, scientists create impact. There's absolutely no doubt about that, right? We need them. Yeah, Yeah, we need them. And, you know, we, I do still consider myself as a scientist and we create impact. But at the same time, what I, you know, personally wanted was creating impact in a more direct way where I can actually interact with the, you know, with the people that I'm creating impact for. And that just felt more powerful uh, for me personally.
0: So it sounds like you were miss what you, what you were missing was like the human connection. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
1: that is definitely one part of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I want to go back one, one, one step because I'm just really curious about, you said it was a big transition for me, you know, to go to the United States. And I can't imagine uh, growing up, as a young girl in a small town in india with not so much so many resources and then what age were you when you went to the united states quite young or 18 or
1: something no no early 20s
0: early 20s 20s, but that's quite young and so how how was the transition not only in in the education but also in the lifestyle can you remember
1: yeah (laughs) i'm trying to go back back and remember and it was I think it's silly right but the biggest thing for me when i came to the us and i went to the university i was like oh my god finally i have the space to study <laughs> but when i was growing up i grew so and we are we are a big family all living together we are like four uh eight uncles and aunts and their kids right so 22 kids really 11 girls 11 boys in a house so there was hardly so, ever a quiet moment it sounds life. like a small village in a house yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely it was a small village there was no there was hardly any quiet and i was always fighting with everybody because i was like hey turn that tv down i need to study you keep quiet i need to study i was always doing that and for the For me the first thing was oh finally there's so much space out here and there's just so much you know quiet space to study i think that was my first impression when i went to and i loved and particularly in the first year i loved just being in the university i just absolutely loved studying what i was studying and i remember i used to be i used to come to to school at eight and i used to go at one o'clock at night really yeah Make it, you were like addicted to, to the to the I library. I was, I was. And there's the, there was this room called the blue room where all the, you know, all people who had to, who needed a quiet space to study and we all had our cubicles where we could sit down and study. And I just loved being there so much. I think at least my first year, my entire first year was spent pretty much in the blue room from mm-hmm. a to, and of course, you know, I would go to do research and everything. But after that, I would always come back to the blue room. That was like my home. Uh, That was, that was definitely one, one thing, however silly it might sound to anybody. But other than that, I think one of, one of the challenges was definitely around friendships. And because I, um, was very fortunate in India, particularly during my college years to have this amazing uh, group of friends, which were like, we were family and we were so bonded and so connected with each other. We would like do anything for each other, you know? So we had a really strong bonding in college and that when I, you know, that was definitely, I mean, of course it takes time to build those kind of relationships, right? I mean, in college, we had four years to build and nurture those relationships. Yeah. and, And
0: didn't you feel lonely?
1: Oh, I did. I did feel very lonely again, particularly in the first years, always mm-hmm. because you're trying to get used to the place. You're trying to and and the, the the first year coursework for my PhD program was absolutely you know brutal at that time for me. Tough. <laughs> because again you're not coming from that kind of background, and uh, and and so now just getting into that space, you again you. are because you come from a small town, you feel like this thing to prove yourself and to be the best. I was always in that mode. And everybody's watching you. Yeah? There's like a lot of social uh, control, I think. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel, and even if it's not there, you personally feel that pressure, right? Because when I, when I came to UF, uh, University of Florida, and I was there for a bit, I did hear that, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when my admission process was going on, uh, my professors did have a little bit thing about me coming from a small town and me coming from a college that was not known. Usually when people come to United States from India, they're coming from bigger cities, they're coming from reputed colleges. And I came from a college where I was the first one and I'm still the only one to have come abroad for a PhD, to have come to US for a PhD. So wow. that was, you know, that was a big thing for them to Yeah. Have. Trust whatever I'd written in my essay or my letter or my GRE scores and so for me then it was you know extra pressure to prove that it doesn't matter where you come from you can still do really well and I did you know I was I was as far as the whole uh, coursework was concerned I was scoring 100 out of 100 I was doing, <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> I was doing really well <laughs> and I remember going to my professor and telling you know this is uh, you know this is what I got and and yeah my hope was that the next time there's another admission round, people don't doubt, uh, you know, kids who are coming from small towns and not so reputed, you know, colleges and universities. And that was my hope with that.
0: Yeah, do you think something changed there in the admission uh, of the United States universities? That they are now more open to small colleges, not reputed colleges from small towns like yours?
1: Nah, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I'm not too sure whether that actually made a, you know, uh, a big dent in the admission process, but again, I haven't really looked into the admission process as well. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's been years since I've, I kind of um, removed, uh, from that space. So I don't know, but I hope it, it did a little, I hope it created a little shift.
0: Mm, yeah. And it all starts with one person. So maybe you, you were the first one. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. And, um, so, you so, um, I'm not going to uh, talk everything chronolo- chronologically through, it's more like I, I follow my, my curiosity. And so, you um created Goladly and you you wrote basically the the the, the framework already in 2010. So, what inspired you to uh to start creating? uh this uh organization and the framework with the uh, indian girls in mind
1: absolutely and i I, and i think that really goes to to my own experiences uh growing up in in a small town in a conservative family in india and that's and yeah and again um i think i haven't talked about that but Growing up as as a girl in my community was, you know, you had a lot of things stacked against you, right? And uh, so much so that in my family, a lot of my peer cousins, you know, hardly got a chance to go to college. Um, A lot of them dropped out of high school. Um, and a lot of them were really married and even had kids when I was in college myself. So there was this constant pressure to to be a certain way, to get married, to have kids, to do the house chores when I was growing up. And I remember still, I, I remember having a discussion with this person who had come to our home, who her whole idea was what's the, what's the point of studying so much? And that was a constant refrain uh, from our relatives, thankfully not, not from my mom and dad who supported me tremendously, but that was a constant refrain from a lot of of people who came to our house where they would tell my mom what's the point of what's the point of sending her to school what's the point of educating her so much just to ultimately wash dishes and cook food uh, yeah, or- because they don't have a bigger perspective yeah. you cannot blame them yeah yeah that is true as well that is quite and, well and
0: how did it come that your parents had a bigger perspective for you in this so so you said my relatives came there to say to my parents why why all this studying so they had quite like a small uh uh, perspective on the life of an indian girl and your parents had had a different perspective on that so where did it come from
1: I'm actually, you know, that still uh, is a big mystery. (laughs) Especially, I think, for my mom. My my dad was educated, and it definitely came from then. He was a highly intellectual person, and so I can understand, for him, how he was supportive of me. But for my mom, I always find it. my mom was never educated herself. And and she uh, grew up in a very conservative space herself. But she is one of the boldest persons. I know, I, I feel she's she's way more bold than me, she's way more resilient than me. And, and for her to kind of take that step where she said to herself that I'm, even in the way that she treated me, uh, and I have two older brothers, she treated me at par and sometimes really better. Than
0: <laughs> great, great mom
1: honestly, which was like, which was a, which was a very big deal and a very big difference from the way I saw a lot of my aunts treating their daughters. And in a lot of cases, in in my aunt's cases, a lot of times the daughters were being prepared for marriage. My mother never did that for me. And I am so, she, she is the reason really why I'm here. And I can't, I mean, there's no thanking enough for her. There's just, you know, she, and I don't even understand how she had that kind of maturity of thought to just let me be and not to listen to anybody and not to be influenced by that. Also, the other thing which I did for myself was I was, I tried to be the best student that there was. (laughs) Because I knew there was this all this pressure going to come right from all the different people, and, and you those, wanted to
0: show that you could do it. you were worth I, it.
1: I wanted to be the best, and nobody could tell me that you know if if I was an if if I was a mediocre student in the way they grade students in india and, and in that particular time, if I was an average mediocre student, I am pretty certain I wouldn't have been able to continue even mm. even with the support of my parents. It's just that I was. I tried to be the best student there was. I was in, 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 in those times and still probably, you know, they rank students, uh, you're first, you come second, you come third in class. And I was the person who consistently came first in class. Like the
0: straight A student. Yeah, yeah. so, so you had that. the
1: brains and the drive? I did have a lot of drive. I don't know yes. about the brains, but I did have a <laughs> lot of drive. And what that also really did, Mariana, is that created thing from the community too because everybody saw me doing really well and so there was a push you know even from my teachers or later on in college I very clearly remember even from uh, the place that I was staying staying um, at the person who owned that place even from him uh, you know they would tell my parents don't don't get this girl married soon you know there's a lot of potential here get her educated so I'm so thankful that it, it's almost like the, the community kind of spoke for me too. Yeah. Um,
0: and you need a few people to believe in you. Hey? Imagine
1: nobody would have believed in you, either, and,
0: and including your parents. Then it would have been a different case for you. Maybe.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That did make uh, the, the belief of my teachers and overall a lot of people in the community, Anne and my uh, mom and dad, of course themselves I think added and and that's what really got me through
0: yeah and 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 going back to goladli yeah so um beloved daughters yeah. I, I now I now sense really the connection you make back to India, but also to the girls now so can you tell me a bit more about, um, about this organization that you are creating and what you wish to, uh, to achieve with it?
1: Absolutely and I think one, one more point I do want to say before I move on to this question is Gulag Lee is also uh, very hugely inspired by my own daughter <laughs> so, and it's only after actually Aria was born it became more universal. Bullardly became more concrete. Um, so, so uh, going back to this question now, um, as as we say in our vision, we envision a global movement of women problem solvers, change makers, and leaders, and that's what you know, that's what we are really here uh, to create and and to do. And, and why women? Why women? Why women? Oh, <laughs> it's it, it, I mean. I, I don't know, because to me it is just so obvious. That's why I'm like, huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm asking an obvious question, but I just want to to, to
0: challenge you a bit. It's you know, I, it's the same with me. I also work. You know, why do I invite women here in the Leap of Faith podcast? I haven't yep. invited men yet, but you never know. But yeah, I understand. It's 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 obvious to work with women, and if you, it's, it sounds like you are living your story, Absolutely. and you want young girls women to also take ownership of their life is is that what i'm hearing
1: yeah absolutely i think again it's it's um, from my own story as well you know just that i think uh, what what really fascinates me about the work i do as well as about my own development is looking at the potential of people mm, right? yeah. and, and, and knowing that uh, women's potentials are not as um, utilized as they should be. And th- that is really the big push for me because particularly when I look at young girls in India, I feel like, oh my God, they have so much potential.
0: You see it. We yeah. not,
1: we're Not looking at that and we are not using that. And I feel then there is just so much, so much of a failure we are losing out on so much. And that to me is just absolutely not fair.
0: And are you saying that if you say we we don't see that, we, do you mean like the Indian government, the school system, the society is not seeing the potential yes. of those girls?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The society and the community and just the, the, the social attitudes around the potential of a girl child is, is not there yet. And I feel that there is, you know, that is not fair. And I feel we are not... Uh, being able to, uh, you know, make the best of what is there. And that to me just feels like, you know, it it shouldn't be like that. And so where I try to come in is how can I develop that potential? And that's how Mm -hmm. I approach my life as well, because I feel like there is so much potential, but at the same time, you know, Mariana, there's so many, um, so many clouds, Right. Of mm-hmm. So many barriers and obstacles. And and my goal for myself as well as for Goladli is kind of, you know, to to shift those clouds away and to actually have that light shine and to enable that for our girls as well as to enable that for myself.
0: Wow. Yeah, beautiful. And um you said something about um it wasn't fair, you know, I didn't feel it's fair. And this is beautiful what you say, you know, as a coach, we work a lot with values and it sounds like one of your failures is fairness. So because it was not fair and because these girls were not treated like the same way as the guys, which even happens in the Western world often, uh, it it drove you to, to, um, yeah, take a stand for them. And, and and start growing a movement because that's what you, that's your dream right to to yeah, grow exactly. a movement
1: absolutely yeah absolutely because i i feel it is the need i feel we need to do it and that's why i'm so passionate about it again and i think you were you were so spot on with respect to you know fairness being one of my major values it does drive me uh, tremendously for sure mm.
0: yeah and what other values are driving you now we asked We are talking about values
1: yeah what other values uh, drive me is, well, again, uh, I, I think the other value that does definitely drive me is uh, achievement and achievement not in the sense of achieving, you know, material benefits or achieving grades as in school, but achievement really in the sense of achieving your potential. And that, that again, going back to what I said, right? That is a huge value for me, achieving my potential and enabling other people, and in this case, other young women, t- you know, because that is tied in with the value of fairness, right? Enabling other young women to achieve their potential. So that is a super big value for me. That, that is yeah. There. And how do you know that you
0: have um, achieved your potential for yourself?
1: I am far. I'm far from. <laughs> You've done a lot. It's amazing. You've <laughs> taken. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you've taken more than one leap, and yeah, for me it's it, it sounds like the biggest leap, you know, going from India to the USA, but also you know, like you said, changing course, correcting course by changing studies, whereas you had like a, a scholarship for for pharmacy, yeah, and then changed course. Uh, it's very brave to do that. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Sometimes but yeah, but your
0: your inner drive, you know, it. It, it all comes from an inner drive because you, you could have continued on the old path where you were good, you know? Often, hey, this is also like an, uh, an, uh, a common theme in many people's lives that we study something we are very good at yeah. and then we start working in it and we are still good in it. But at a certain moment, you can ask yourself, does it sparkle joy? Am I still on the right path? And for you, you were like, you know, getting restless that's what you said uh looking around looking outside the maybe the comfort zone let's call it the comfort zone of your studies doing voluntary work and then something was sparkled in you which made you change course right
1: yeah i know that is absolutely true marianne and i think for me uh one of the things is when i feel things i feel things very deeply (laughs) And passionately. So I think that's where the drive comes from because I'm feeling it so strongly and maybe nobody can see what I see. But because I see it so, and that's true for Golapi as well, I'm like, oh my God, right? There's so much potential. There's so much we can do and we can make it a global movement. And, and I think that's, that's again, that's the drive for me when I when I feel things because I feel it so deeply. I have to, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have stayed where I was. No. So you, it also it also means what I hear you saying that you are very
0: connected to your uh, feelings because some people don't feel this. So you can feel it. It sounds like you feel your intuition. Uh, it's it's whispering. Maybe first it's a whispering voice and then it becomes a louder voice. Like I, you can't ignore that voice anymore. That's what I hear you saying.
1: Yeah. No. You you are you are spot on on that. And I think, you know. I, I do also realize that in a lot of steps, I have probably taken steps that were not, that would not be considered practical and pragmatic by a lot of people. Uh, but for me, again, it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore yeah. hearing from inside. And, and that's the way I know how to live. That's the only way. And if I ignore that, I would be a miserable person.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and how
1: and how are you you
0: know you are helping those girls to to fulfill their potential you do that with a global company because you are in the usa they are in india so uh how do you make them uh, uh realize that they have this full potential because it, it it sounds like distant learning how do you do that in practice
1: i know i know it's it's so amazing though mariana the power of connectivity and internet and all these new things now that have like, we connect hugely over WhatsApp or we connect over zoom and video. And it's just, I know that probably 10 years back, I wouldn't have been able to make this impact the, the way we are making it now. Um, and how do we do it is you know, first, of course, we have this uh, lead like a girl challenge where we ask high school girls in India to come up with solutions to problems they think girls and women face in their communities. And really the idea behind that is number one, of course, you know, that creates awareness around the issues that girls and women face. And because a lot of times we don't talk about issues, we don't talk about problems. And now with this challenge being an objective platform, the girls are going back to their homes and they 're talking about issues that girls and women face not only from a problem standpoint but actually from a solution standpoint, mm-hmm. right? which is I think a big mind shift um, and then secondly, we really wanted to create a platform where our girls could engage in the communities in creative critical thinking real world problem solving, which is another thing that doesn 't happen so much for our girls and um, girls don't occupy public spaces as much. They don't engage in the communities as much. The expectation is you go to school, you get grades, you come back home. And with this challenge, what we're trying to do is, you know, getting them out, have them speak with different people, have them have conversations with different people around around these issues that girls and women face. And, and actually again, engage them in that problem solving process, which unfortunately our education system doesn't do enough of. So with that, we're just trying to create a context where they can think of themselves as Mm -hmm. problem solvers, as change makers and leaders. And I think one of the biggest, things you can do apart from giving practical, you know, uh, practical um, help and, you know, which we do with our Girl Advisory Board Leadership Programming and our mentoring programming and the scholarship we provide to our girls. One of the biggest things I think with the Lead Like a Girl Challenge uh, we are trying to push is that is that belief system right, is that mindset change where each girl can start thinking, oh, I can be a change maker and I can be a problem solver. Oh, look at what I did, right? I thought yeah. about the problem. I actually went through all the steps. It's, it's a business plan almost which is geared more design thinking challenge which is geared to high school students and just that belief in themselves that they have been able to create a solution to something i think that does wonders uh, to their confidence um, you know in being responsible citizens in their country and i personally feel that civic engagement and engaging in your community is one of the best ways uh, to develop your leadership uh, skills yeah beautiful yeah. Beautiful. And are they working
0: in groups? When you say there's this, this, this high school challenge, they work as a group, so they do that together? Because it can be quite frightening to do it on your own, you
1: know, yeah. to, uh, yeah. to do work in the community on your own. I know, I know. But at this point of time, it's actually individual. And we do want to, at some point when we move from, so right now it's an idea challenge, right? The girls come up with the top ideas. And based on that, the winners of the challenge, they get scholarship towards college education, they get access to Girl Advisory Board, and they get access to a mentoring program. Um, My goal is at some point, we reach a, a point where we can actually the girls can actually implement the ideas that they are coming up with, and that time I think we'll move to a more collaborative model we'll move to a more team based uh, model at that phase, but at this point it is it is individual
0: okay yeah, yeah. wonderful, wonderful and um, with this podcast, can you imagine that girls will listen to this podcast to to be inspired, or is this mere more Uh, to share your message with the women who listen to this podcast who are also who also want to do something like that what is your goal to 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 be on this podcast
1: I think that's a very good question and I think it's it's a woman but I see it for being uh, for girls as well particularly I think at this time right round uh, around, around when they are in grade 12 round when they are choosing their careers and they're choosing their colleges right there is this huge pressure on choosing absolutely the right fit and absolutely you know the, the perfect fit and i think uh, just listening to stories where women have taken these leaps i think would, would be reaffirming to a lot of a lot of our young women that it's, it's okay. They don't have to be so pressured. It's okay to explore a little bit, right. It's it's okay to try a little bit. And the world is not going to stop for them. You know, it's, it's they will always. And I think every day you do have that opportunity to change gears and to, uh, to listen to yourself more. And hopefully that is what the girls will take away from that is number one. It's okay. Even if you end up making a, you know, you think, mm. what you think is the wrong choice. It's okay because there will be a time when you will be able to shift gears, number one. Number two, I think it'll also give them um, a, a, you know, a, re- a reflection where they can actually sit and think, what, what is it do they want for themselves? And that is something we don't do enough, particularly. No in with with our young women growing up in India there's just so much competition there is just so much society speak and that you know everybody is trying to tell you what you should do and what you should be or you should be a doctor and you should be an engineer and a lot of times listening to yourself is just is something nobody even thinks about nobody is taking a pause it should be
0: part of high school
1: yeah 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 and that's why we really created the mentoring program as well because and mentoring program is hugely focused on figuring out what you're needs are, what your values are, what your strengths are, so that you pick a career that is aligned with all of that. And I think with this podcast, that's one more thing I would want the girls to think about is really take, take a pause and, and think about what matters to you. Where do you think our strengths, where do you think your strengths are? Where do you think your interests are? And then, and go, you know, go to college or make those decisions based on that rather than the society speak. And, and just know that even if you land up making a mistake, You can only shift gears.
0: Wow. Yeah, beautiful. Before I ask the last question, the last question is, what is your number one advice for the listeners? But I have another question. Um, So what is your next step with your uh, organization, Uh, GoLadly?
1: So again, this is because this is is my passion project. (laughs) It it must
0: be a passion project, otherwise it doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work. That's right, that's right. So I always go, keep on going back to the vision, right? And the vision is a movement. Uh, it's not, so right now, you know, we're doing really well with all our programmings, right? That, that we have three, as, as I mentioned earlier, we have three major programming, the Lead Like a Challenge and the Girl Advisory Board and the Mentoring Program. And we have done incredibly well and we're getting amazing feedback from our participants on all of these programmings. Um, and this year, we had about more than 80 girls uh, participate in the challenge from 23, city, uh, 23 schools and uh, to over 12 cities in India. And my goal is really, uh, because, because I get that feedback from the girls and, and they say how amazing it's been for them, my thing is how can I take it to more uh, and how, I, how can I really make it a movement that I feel it deserves to be. So I think that's what, what I'm exploring currently is how do we scale? work, how do we bring our work to uh, more young women, how do we make it financially sustainable, and we are actually also thinking about how can we bring our work, not a one-on-one transfer because that will not work, but how do we bring some of our impact to schools in the United States as well, because I'm living here, my daughter is going here, and I do want to create impact in this space as well. So those are some of the uh, directions that I am, you know, thinking. So it
0: means creating a movement. It's not only restricted to India anymore. It's, it's in different countries with different yeah. chapters, but doing the same thing, having one platform.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, because I feel we are very nimble and we are flexible where we can adapt to the different needs of different countries, because I know gender discrimination um, plays very differently in women leadership you know, the the restrictions to it play very differently in different countries. In India, it's very different. In the US, it's a very different uh, environment altogether. So we have to, of course, be aware of that. And we have to be able to adapt to the exact needs here so that we can create the, you know, the impact that we wanna create. But I feel that uh, with the the core programming that we have, we can very well uh, be a global uh, entity.
0: Wonderful. And I think, you know, you wrote it down in 2010 on a paper and there was nothing. So it works to put it on paper. It works to have a dream and it works to fuel that dream with your passion. And uh, so for people who are listening, um, um, where can they find you? You know, if they want to know more about your, uh, go what is the best way to, to, uh, yeah. connect with you or maybe offer their help.
1: I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm, of course the Goladly website is there. It's, you know, dot org, right? Goladly.org. And there actually, my contact info is there as well as the email ID um, is there as well. If anybody wants to reach me directly. Um, but yeah. And
0: I also will put a post uh, next to the podcast so that they see how it is spelled and uh, so they will find you when they google you so thank you and uh, so the last question to, to close this podcast what is your number one advice uh, for the listeners
1: I think I'll, I'll quote the, the the title of this podcast <laughs> take, <the leap. laughs> take a leap yeah, and is, yeah. It, and is it about the leap
0: you know or is it about the faith
1: both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Both. Both. Really, because I think I think you got to have faith. You got to really believe in it to be able to take the leap. Otherwise, the leap is not going to happen. Even if it happens, probably it's not going to change a lot if you don't have the faith in it. Or it's not going to sustain itself. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I I had a small podcast. I called it "Nugget of Wisdom" about leap of faith, because yeah. people were asking me this question, like. Mm, A leap you know how big does that have to be and uh, I said well it starts with the faith it -hmm. starts with feeling it and then you start to dare it you know you you don't dare it maybe if you don't feel it if you don't believe in it like you say so it's I I want to repeat that, and I'm happy that you give this as an advice take a leap but you know take a leap without a cause doesn't really make sense. You know, then it's only about proofing, okay, I can take a leap. I can do something exciting. I can do something really scary, but yeah. if there is a, something involved, you know, if there is an intention behind it, then it becomes a leap of faith. So thank you, Hera, for being today on this uh, podcast. And uh, hopefully we will inspire a lot of people and especially the girls, starting with the girls in India, because I think there's a lot of work to do there still. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Mariana. It was so awesome being here with you. you. Yes,
0: thank you.